Hey, it's Jason Flatland here. You're listening to The Jason Flatland Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. Jay Flatland here with the marketing skill that if you master it, it'll make you unstoppable. And I'm talking about creating marketing hooks. When it comes to the marketing campaign itself, the hook in terms of the strategy involved with the widget of whatever you're selling, the hook is the most important marketing element. And it's probably the least understood. A lot of marketers that I consult with, they don't even know that they should be optimizing and strategizing and conceptualizing hooks. So I'm here to fix that today in this YouTube video. Now, why does the hook work so well? It does two things at the same time exactly. It grabs attention and it increases demand for what you're ultimately going to be offering. If you just get attention in a way that doesn't increase demand, that doesn't count. You can't just say free sex and beer, read me now. And then they start reading it and says, ha ha, gotcha. What I really want to tell you about is blank. You will get attention, but it will result in a negative experience towards your brand. But if you grab somebody's attention in a way that will also not only get their focus, but lead them down the path that if they're the right fit, they'll purchase the product. Mwah! Chef's kiss to that. That's what a hook does. And it's so effective. And the hook informs your headlines. The hook informs exactly who you target. The hook informs the leads after the headline. So when you say this headline that you write, what do they read after that? Or what do they hear after that? That's important. The calls to actions, even the name of the product. Most people create the product first and then they do the marketing. They got it backwards. You should create the marketing first and then make the product to fit the marketing. So the name of the product could all be tied into the hook if you understand this lost art of getting hooks. I'm going to give you five techniques today to create unstoppable hooks, masterful hooks with actual historical examples. A right hook is like a sharpened axe. Most people are taking a dull axe to try to chop down the tree, which is the marketing campaign to make the sell. If you have a sharp axe, less swings, less wax at it, you get it chopped down. You can go on about your life. So what are the five hook types that I focus on with clients when we're trying to cultivate and position hooks? There are five elements, specificity, vividness, story, breaking news, and controversy. This isn't an exhaustive list. And once you're a pro, you can do this unconsciously and you don't need a checklist or a template of sorts. But when you're starting off, I find these are the five easiest hooks to teach to somebody where they could apply one of these and supercharge their marketing almost instantaneously. So let's break them down. The first one, specificity. This is what I've learned better from studying Claude Hopkins than anything else. He wrote advertising copy a hundred plus years ago, wrote a book called Scientific Advertising and a book I like even more called My Life in Advertising. And he was really the pioneer to first make things so specific that you thought whoever did this is the very best in the world. And he would have this as a golden thread that ran throughout all of his marketing. And then it would translate into headlines such as food shop from guns apiece, 125 million explosion in each grain. And you're like, what's that? Turned out to be Quaker puffed rice and Quaker puffed wheat or something like that. But his hook here was really what made it amazing was the specificity. 125 million explosions in each grain. And maybe that sounds clickbaity today, even though he could prove it. Back then, nobody knew clickbait. There was nothing to click on, so they didn't even have to bait you with a click. But he was the first to understand that. And in an environment where nobody was using that, he's 
stood out. He got attention. He hooked people in. Another one that he was selling a shaving cream, I think it was for Palm Olive, was the hook essentially was multiplies itself in lather 250 times. Now, I'm sure like most of his other campaigns at the time, like the Schlitz beer campaign that he ran, it was probably something that every other single shaving cream did. Just like every other single beer was washed and prepped and cultivated in the same way as Schlitz beer, he was the first to tell it by making it specific and drawing you in where you understood it's no longer a mystery. In fact, its thoroughness makes you pine and romanticize for the product. And so when you hear something like, oh my God, it multiplies itself 250 times, you think that's impressive. You're hooked on it. You got to try it out. You got to see what it's all about. And my favorite campaign that Claude Hopkins ever did essentially created a new vocabulary which we still use today, which is the film on your teeth. Some people think that that was invented by a dentist or it came from the dental industry. The way Hopkins found it was he was reading some sort of periodical and it was mentioned only once kind of in passing as an example from a doctor. And he took that and he says, we're going to make that the whole thrust, the hook, if you will, of the marketing and and it was all about this film and the way he helped you understand it was just run your tongue across your teeth and you'll feel a film. This is why you need to brush your teeth. And I know it's weird selling somebody on brushing their teeth and why they should do it today because we know that it's smart to do that. But at a period of time, this was around World War One. There was a big issue. Men would try out for the army or go into the military services. And because of their teeth problems, the United States was very concerned that we might not have enough soldiers on the field because of poor dental hygiene. So we have to run a campaign in order to sell people on why they should brush their teeth. Hopkins was the first to really do that with Pepsodent toothpaste. And he created a massive industry, very successful, and also changed most people's behavior in mass to now it's kind of accepted as you're supposed to do this. But at one time it had to be sold. He sold it with a hook. How do you find these types of hooks? What I've learned to do is listen to some sort of interesting micro fact or thing that in and of itself is very fascinated and very interesting, but it also proves the macro. So just this cool thing of, oh, I have film on my teeth. If it did not lead to better dental health by brushing it very easily with a certain set of toothpaste, i.e. the toothpaste you're selling, not good enough. It's got to be super interesting when you zoom in on it and say, whoa, I want to know more about this. And as you learn more about this, it creates desire and demand to buy the product. So I've learned to program myself when I'm doing research and I come across something that just doesn't quit. It won't shake out of my mind. I say, damn, that's fascinating. Can we build a whole marketing campaign around it? Can we make that the hook? Oftentimes you can if you run across such a gem. I'll give you one more example of this. Eugene Schwartz was a famous copywriter, I think in the 60s-ish is when this ad ran, but it went something along the lines of burn disease out of your body using nothing more than the palm of your hand. And What's fascinating about this hook is it was one small chunk of a book. He went through a book, and anytime he came across something interested in this book that he was selling, he wrote all these little bullet points, what they call fascinations, where these little interesting things where he twisted into something compelling and interesting, and he probably wrote hundreds and hundreds of these. And out of the hundreds of these, this was the most fascinating one. The hook of this specificity was in the ad itself, he would say, try this, lay down on your back. And then he would walk him through the procedure that was almost specifically what was in the book. And that's how he made the hook so powerful because people felt like I can immediately get a benefit 
when I buy this book because he's already showing me how I could get the benefit even before I purchase this book. And he's giving me a very specific way of getting said benefit. Second way is story. Now, most often for most of the products that we sell, using entertainment is a horrible way of selling it, which is weird because we see these nationwide ads that are running with these cute little gecko frogs and lizards or whatever the hell they are. And we think, oh, that makes sense. Well, it makes sense when you have access to billions of dollars of advertising money to do with branding and you're going to just brainwash people into wanting your product because when they think of X, they think of you. 99.9999% of us could never do that type of marketing. So we create solutions to existing problems. And when people have problems, those are no laughing matter. They take those very grave and very serious. And so we don't get the benefit of entertainment. People love to be entertained, but usually at the expense of being sold. So we either sell them or we entertain them. We rarely can do both. The story is a way in which we can create a hook that does both. It captivates them. It pulls them in and it gets them excited because everybody loves a good story. It's like a movie or a television show, but this one sells product. So one of my favorite ones is my friend Jay Abraham. He had this Mr. X campaign that he rolled out. And the story goes along the lines of some guy came in and pirated all of Jay's trainings and teaching and coaching and seminars. And Jay was getting ready to sue him because this guy created a program out of it and was going to go out there and sell it. But then when Jay went through the program, he's like, wow, this is better than anything I've ever created. So instead of suing him, he made a deal so he could sell the product. And man, when he rolled that story out, might have been the best campaign at the time that he ever ran. He shared me the data one day. If I remembered it, I wouldn't share it. It's proprietary. It's private information that he's so gracious to, to let me know how good it was specifically. But I remember looking at those numbers and being like, that's insane. There's no amount of good marketing that could make up for this story. This story with poor marketing would outsell 99% of people. And so when I'm looking to work with clients, I'm looking for the stories. I'm listening. Do you have a good story? What is your story? Are there stories that we can use? I did a publishing deal one time with a guy who had sold more stuff through ClickFunnels than anybody, including Russell Brunson himself, the creator of ClickFunnels. And I wanted to create a product with him just so I could use that as the story. I'm sure we could find something amazing. And we did find something amazing to create from the product because when you have that much data and that much throughput, you're going to find something interesting and valuable that you could sell to the end user. But I was most interested in Trey's story of how he became the number one overall. That's something that anybody who's using ClickFunnels or anybody who's using marketing, they got to take a look at that. And that's the hook. And then from that, we figured out the best product at the time to sell the market. There was another one by John Carlton. He had all sorts of ads that he would run in the golf market. They would essentially go out and find these weird use cases of these golfers who shouldn't be successful who were successful. And once they had the story, then they would create a product out of it. So they'd find the blind golfer. They'd find the one-legged golfer. And one of my favorites goes something like this. How does an out-of-shape 55-year-old golfer crippled by arthritis and 71 pounds overweight still consistently humiliate PGA pros in head-to-head matches? And this was provable. But what was fascinating was to that audience, the audience who's trying to get better at golf, they're not other professionals. They're just business guys mostly at the club who are just trying to make a couple of shots better than their friends. And they're probably overweight. They probably have arthritis. They're probably older than professional age in that sport. So this is a way to grab hooks for people say, oh my God, not only how did that guy do that, but also I'm like that guy. I got to check that out. Third one is vividness. And by the way, these overlap. It's not like they're clear and separate and distinct. There was a vividness to that story of the crippled arthritic golfer. And when we were talking about the specificity earlier, there's always vividness and specificity. But I also think in terms of vividness of 
once you see it, how can you never unsee it? What's something that once you hear it or come across it, it makes such a deep impression that 20 years later, you could still recall it. And I think the greatest example I've ever seen of this is when the iPod came out. And the tagline for the iPod was a thousand songs in your pocket. By the way, this happens with tech companies all the time when I consult with them. They just did a deal the other day where we were working with a company to try to explain to them that they shouldn't put in their app buy box equity. That was the label that they were using to help their end users understand the possibility of the economics of selling a product on Amazon. And I said to them, I said, no customer alive or human being uses the word buy box equity. They use net profit. They use money. I said, I'd rather you label this money in your pocket as opposed to buy box equity. That's more descriptive. And so Apple at the time was really good at this because other people would say like, it gives you 780 MP3s out of 256, blah, blah, blah. And iPod just says a thousand songs in your pocket. Another good example of vividness is P90X's muscle confusion. I'm still thinking about this like a decade later. And my joke always was like, what? The muscles are like, we don't know what to do. So boom, let's just get really big. And it's a made up term. I don't know if it has any scientific basis or not, but the audience had never heard of that before. They have no frame of reference for it. So it's unique. It's interesting and it's engaging. And they might not necessarily buy into it, but they'll say, huh, I'll give it a shot. I'll try it out. And here's one other interesting way that you can create vividness. Poop yourself thin. I saw an ad on this one day, uh, one of the ad networks. and I, I couldn't resist it. I had to click through. Poop yourself thin. There's some vividness to that. And some of it comes with topics that are not necessarily normal discourse in day-to-day conversation, which again makes them stand out and hooks you in. In this case, creates demand because you're like, man, why do I have to eat healthy if I can just poop? The most famous example that I can think of actually historically is the Hathaway shirt by David Ogilvy, where he put an eye patch on the model that was wearing the shirt. And that vividness was enough for a campaign to continue to be referenced and talked about many, many, many years later. This is one of those instances, though, where doing something like that is very dangerous because sometimes that can draw away from the product itself. This is why you have to be careful about creating hooks so good sometimes people forget about them. Like the Energizer Bunny, after a while, people forgot. Who the hell is that bunny selling? Is it selling Duracell or is it selling Energizer or is it selling some other bunny? So you can create stuff that's so powerful that it distracts from the products. You just got to be careful with that. But again, if there's one thing you can do to stand out from everybody else, that's where you start to look for your hooks. The easiest way to do this is with the next technique, which is breaking news. What gets priority of attention is new. New, new, new. It's got to be the latest. It's got to be the greatest. I don't care if iPhone invented the end-all, be-all of phones. If they don't create a new version within a year, they will lose money because people want the newest. They want the latest. They're always excited about what's happening now. So they think that will give them an edge or help them prepare for tomorrow. They don't want to be caught off guard. The downside of this type of hooks is they're short-lived. You constantly have to refresh your marketing if you're only going to live on breaking news. So it's my least favorite, but it's usually the most effective. So when we were in the Amazon business, when we really started getting into that launch business in 2013, teaching people how to start selling products on Amazon, we were with a company where we were always their number one affiliate. We sold tens of millions of dollars of their product. And every six months, they would do a product launch. And they and everyone else would kind of tout out the same benefits, tout out the same opportunities. What we would do in our marketing is at the beginning of all of our webinars and all of our email campaigns, we would find the latest thing that was going on in Amazon at the time that we thought was most interesting, was new, was exciting, and we would lead with that. So when Donald Trump was in a presidential race and was talking about China and what the implications 
expectations are on that, we would lead with that hook. When Prime Day first popped off, right after that happened, we led with that hook, the single greatest non-Black Friday shopping event has ever occurred. What are the implications, et cetera, et cetera. When Alexa became prominent in the homes, we started talking about zero click searches, zero word searches in terms of typing them in. These are text list search terms, all that kind of stuff. What happens when a listening device is implanted in the homes of the richest people in America? What do you think occurs in those opportunities? When Prime memberships hit a certain peak where there was over 200 million Prime members and it was finally publicly leaked the data on actual Prime memberships, we pounced upon that. When it was coming on Black Friday, we hit that. When retail bankruptcies ran across all America and Toys R Us and all the kind were just being closed down, we jump on that and we talk about the ramifications when the recession is coming right now with the Amazon products that we're working on these days as a partner with is focusing on how Amazon businesses can be increased during a recession if you do certain things and people are hooked by that. There's another way you can do this. I learned this in the financial industry. So financial industries often sell these newsletters. The newsletters kind of say the same every single year. Yeah, they keep you abreast on what's going on, but the name of the newsletter, the effect that you get it the same way once a month or however as the newsletters go, very boring. So what they would do is every year they'd create a special report and that would be the free bonus you would get when you signed up for the newsletter or they'd create a handful of special reports. And 95% of the marketing campaign was all around this new special report. You can't buy it. It's free. You can get it for free though when you sign up for the newsletter. So this is a way of the breaking news because the reports would always be around something that was happening currently in the markets financially. So you had to have that and that came free when you signed up for this membership. The next technique for creating a hook is controversy. And this will allow you to evoke the strongest emotions. And that is powerful when it comes to getting and keeping attention. The most infamous example in my market that I can remember was the rich jerk. And I think this came out in like 2008. And I was just starting in business. Ad started something like this, where he said, let's get something straight. I'm a jerk. I'm obnoxious. I'm lazy. And I don't care because I'm filthy rich. I am too important even to be sitting here writing you this letter right now. So I'm going to keep it short. And then he'd go on and talk about how he knew the answers. And this ran so well because it spit in the face of all the other marketing that was going on at the time. That's why it hooked you in. It was so controversial because everybody else would be like, I want to help you succeed. And this guy was saying, listen, I don't care if you succeed or not. I'm rich. And people are like, oh, that makes sense. I've never heard that before. Yeah, that seems more consistent with a rich person. I'll check it out, which hilariously enough, he was just like every other marketer. At the end of the day, he was selling his product just as they were, but he found a new mechanism by being completely the opposite of everything that they were seeing in that market, which is always a useful exercise. Some of the best hooks I've ever came up with is when I said, can the opposite of this thing also be true? If everybody wants it bigger and better and stronger, how can I make it simpler and thinner? And I've created huge campaigns that have made millions of dollars where we would take software that was really popular in the market that had 150 or 200 or 500 features attached to it. And we would strip them down to three or four or five features. And then we would beef them back up. So they only did those four things, but they did them better than anybody else on the market. So our big breakthrough in those markets were by giving them less, not more, but purposeful less. And those would be the hooks that we could bite into when we are doing marketing like that. My good friend, Ben Hardy, his books are what I call subtle controversy, which is my favorite controversy. His first big book was called Willpower Doesn't Work, which is a kind of a controversial take. Then he had Personality Isn't Permanent, which again, it's not a hard hitting take, but it's enough to make you stop and think, wait a second, I thought the traditional wisdom was this is generally accepted, but maybe it isn't. And he has a new book coming out, which I suggest you read. I don't think it's available at the time of this recording of this video, but I got an advanced copy. 10x is easier than 2x. Subtle controversy where you say, okay, exponential 
exponential is easier than in incremental. And let me take a look at it. See, that's all your hook has to do. And then again, it, once they say, let me take a look at it, it starts to sell them. So how are you going to use this? Let me know in the comments for your next marketing campaign. What I suggest is you block an ideation session out half an hour to an hour. And you said, if I had to create a hook for this marketing campaign that focused on specificity, what would that look like? If I had to create a marketing campaign that used a story, what would the story be? If I had to tap into breaking news, what would that be? Is there any vividness to this that I can interject into the marketing campaign? Is there any controversy that I think is useful and not just done for controversy's sake? And then you start to think, okay, well, for this particular campaign, I think it lends better to a story. And this one lends better to breaking news. Maybe we can combine a little bit of two of these elements. The key though, at the end of the day is remember this, you got to cut through the noise. You got to whack them over the head. You got to pull their eyeballs through the screen. You got to grab them by the throat and you got to say, dude, this is so important. You got to drop everything you're going to do and pay attention here. And that's the power of the hook. So hook into it. Let me know how it works for you. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review and thanks again and stay tuned for future episodes.